Hello and welcome to the AdNote Podcast, the podcast for the Adelaide.net user group. I'm your host, David Gardner. This is a recording from our September 2022 meeting. Cross-platform mobile, desktop and web apps in .NET with Uno, with Nick Randolph. And now, over to the presentation. Hey everyone, um, so my name is Nick Randolph um, and I run a consulting company called Built to Roam. Um, and so just tonight's session is going to be focusing on the Uno platform. Um, but if you need to get hold of me outside of this, then um, obviously my Twitter handle, my email address that I'll throw in the chat window as well. Um, yeah. So tonight's session, um, as we dig deep into the, um, the Uno platform, um, the concept of this Win UI everywhere will come up a few times. Um, essentially, there's a long story of sort of XAML and, and .NET development that Microsoft's had dating back from you know, you know, the likes of Silverlight and WPF days um, and all the way through the sort of the mobile space that Microsoft worked in for a while, um, Windows 8 and then obviously UWP um, is one of their sort of latest incarnations. Um, and the, the XAML language that's been used there has now been sort of extracted out from the operating system and is now available as this thing called WinUI. Um, and the idea behind the Uno platform is that whilst Microsoft provides a solution for the Windows platform, um, other platforms need to benefit from having the, the wonders of XAML and C-sharp code, um, which is where the Uno platform comes in. And so there's a, they deliver an abstraction that allows you to use the same code base for um, all sorts of different platforms. Um, so that's, that's the focus of tonight's session. Um, and as we get into it, um, we're going to start off talking a little bit more about the problem domain um, and how it impacts software developers um, and, you know, the way that we build apps. And so, you know, historically, um, you know, a lot of people have just been building Windows apps. So, you know, Windows Forms or WPF, um, or you might be coming from having an iOS app or an Android app. And you start looking at other, the other platforms that you want to target. And all of a sudden, you're faced with this challenge of having to duplicate the effort that you put in to create those apps. And so, you know, you start looking around for these sort of cross-platform technologies, you know, technologies that are going to reduce the amount of not just the, the amount of development effort, but the sort of the maintenance effort and the, and the, the you know, the, the challenges that go with that as well. There's also the, 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 the challenge of trying to make sure that the, the individual platforms are all consistent. So the app behaves consistently on every single platform. And that's, that's again a challenge if you're going to be building individually for each of the platforms, because you need to make sure that the, the, the approach to each problem is the same, the solution's the same, and the behavior of the, the app is going to be the same across all those platforms. Um, so this again leads us to down the path of, of having a sort of a singular technology where we can produce apps for all of these, these platforms. The second challenge is that, um, there is a long history of, of .NET based, you know, Windows Forms and WPF apps, um, and web apps. Um, and to try and deliver a native experience across, you know, various platforms does kind of require a, an extensive rewrite if you're going to pick a technology that's not in the .NET ecosystem. So one of the things that Uno brings to the table is the fact that we're working in the same .NET ecosystem that you that historically you would have built a, a Windows app or a web app in. And so you can leverage the fact that you'll reuse the code that you have for those apps um, and avoid you know, rewriting at least a part of your app. The third challenge is that um, Skills are obviously difficult to come by for in certain um, areas um, or expensive. And if you need to build for every individual platform you want your app to target, all of a sudden you're, you're going to have to build up teams that are specialize in iOS or specialize in Android. 
and all of a sudden you need to maintain those teams and you know provide incentives and training and, and you know it becomes very difficult to skip you know if you've got a if you've got a single app to then have a, a dedicated team for each of those platforms and again being able to have a single platform or a single technology that you do the bulk of your development in uh, means that you can centralize those developer resources focus on that one technology um, and then sort of use that to target all of the different platforms So let's dig into the solution. So essentially the, the Uno platform, um, as I mentioned at the beginning, um, doesn't really do anything in the Windows space. I mean, essentially the, the Windows offering there is provided by Microsoft. So that's, that is WinUI um, packaged with the app, Windows app SDK. Um, there are some components that sit above that that we'll talk about um, that the Uno do deliver for Windows, but the, the core runtime is basically is, is the offering for Microsoft. Where the Uno platform kicks in is being able to support all of those other platforms you want to target from the web all the way through down to your, your Linux devices um, or your IoT devices. Basically, anywhere that can run .NET um, is the goal of, uh, of the Uno platform. It is a single code base, which basically means that you build your, your UI and your code once. So you write it in your UI in XAML or code and your business logic in code and you compile it and it can be run on any of these different individual platforms. There's also, because it's in .NET, we do have a third-party ecosystem. Um, so again, you're, it's all of the tooling and technology and the, the ecosystem that you're used to. Um, so if there's a NuGet package for .NET standard, for example, you can just bring that into your application and it will just be uh, available across all of the different platforms. The other areas that we're going to touch on later in the session are sort of the, the platform part of the Uno offering. And so these are things like the Figma plugin, um, the VS Code integration, um, and some of the extension um, packages that we've been working on um, to make it easier for app developers to rapidly build out applications. It's worth noting that um, there are obviously different offerings in the market that take different approaches to this cross-platform cross problem. Um, and you'll see that Uno kind of fits in the middle um, between the sort of the canvas rendering options and the native rendering options. So what do I mean by that? Okay, so if we take the native rendering options, we're really looking at things like React Native and Xamarin Forms or .NET MAUI. Um, and essentially the, the practice there is that they take the, the default controls from the platform and they reskin them um, and make them available um, at, as they provide an abstraction on top of them to build out the applications. But essentially, they're using those underlying controls with some, some styling applied to those. On the other hand, the canvas rendering options, so for example, um, Avalonia um, and Flutter um, are the two sort of ones that come to mind, although I will put the caveat that Flutter isn't obviously a .NET technology. Um, and so um, their approach to this cross-platform is that each device represents a, a, a vanilla canvas or a blank canvas, and they are responsible for doing everything. So everything from rendering to the accessibility side of things to you know all of, all of that stuff that essentially the 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 rendering platform is is taken care of um and so so obviously there's there's some um, pros and cons of those um obviously from the canvas rendering side you get infinitesimally close control over what actually gets produced but the framework is responsible for doing everything and so you may there are some scenarios there where you don't get the default platform behavior so it may be the bounce at the bottom of a scrolling list for example um may not represent what's not default, uh, there by default on the platform. 
On the flip side, the native rendering ones, obviously you get a lot of those built-in control um, capabilities from the platform. So for example, you know, the, the text entry, um, you, because it's using the native control, um, there's no additional stuff that the, the technology needs to do on top of that. Um, uh, on the flip side, the, the, the challenge there is that you need to then provide an abstraction for styling all of these controllers because each of the native controllers has a different way of being styled. In the middle is kind of where the UNO platform sits. They do make use of the native controllers to do a lot of the rendering work, um, but for certain technologies, they, they also have a canvas-based um, solution. The big thing about the UNO platform that kind of sets it apart from some of the other technologies is, is this concept of lookless or control templating. Um, so lookless controls are, are ones where you have a definition of the behavior of control um, that's independent of the way the, the, the controller looks and has been styled. So for example, a combo box on Windows, if you restyle it, will still function as a, a you know, a sort of a drop down, select, select an item type control. Um, irrespective of how you go about templating it or change the look and feel of it. It still have, exhibits the same behavior. And so that's something, that's something that's really important because, you know, it, it does mean that as you style controls to suit your application, um, you have very fine-grained control over, over how the controls look without having to worry about necessarily breaking the functionality of those controls. All right, so we're getting into a little bit of code here. So here we have a snippet of XAML that does a very basic layout that shows a text block um, and a slider, and the two have been sort of data bound together. Now we'll show this in a little bit of practice in a minute, um, but you can see how here the, the rendering across all these platforms is, is very similar, if not identical. Okay, the, the goal for the UNO platform is pixel perfect. Um, and obviously because they, they are still using the underlying controls, there are some times where there are some, some bleed through from the underlying control, but on the whole, the goal is for this pixel perfect rendering um, so that you get the same look and feel, same behavior across all of the target platforms. And as you can see from the slide, we're almost running out of space on here. So, you know, we've got Linux on the left all the way through to Mac OS um, and, and Catalyst. Um, we've got WebAssembly, Android, Windows, um, iOS, um, just to name a few. But let's actually drop into a code and take a look at some of this. So let's bring up some code and close that. And we're actually going to start off at, at the um, at the command prompt and actually use .NET New to generate an Uno app. There are Visual Studio templates that um, you can get. So you can go into the Visual Studio Marketplace, install the Uno extensions, um, and that will give you Visual Studio templates. Um, but because we're actually going to start in VS Code, I'm actually going to start walking through from the, the command line. Um, and just trigger it this way. So .NET New, Uno app, um, you do need to install the .NET New templates that, that are available from NuGet. Um, and then the Uno app is the, the sort of the getting started app here. It's basically the, the, the simplest form of app that you can, you can create. So let's go ahead and create that. Just one note that the, um, the VS code flag on the end of here basically just sets up the, um, the deployment of the debugging um, files um, specific to VS code. So if you're using Visual Studio, you may not want those options. Um, so you can see here that it's going ahead and creating the various projects um, and it's called .NET Restore on those. And once we're done, we can then launch that with um, code. And the first thing we should note, and I, the other, again, I've installed the, um, the Uno extensions into VS Code, um, but because this is a .NET solution, you will get a prompt saying that, hopefully, um, that there are projects that need restoring, um, and would you like to go ahead and do those? So we'll go ahead and restore those. Um, 
and so you'll see you know .NET Restore kicking in again um, to basically set up these projects. To set up the debugging experience, I mentioned that um, the debugging files have already been created as part of that VS Code um, flag. Um, and so all we need to do actually is pick the target. So we're going to set up, start off with a deployment, deploying and debugging the WASM experience. And then we should be able to just hit F5 and we should start to see uh, the debugging experience kicking in. So in the debug console, you'll actually see it using .NET Run. And let's go and pick a, a, a source code file and I'll just put a breakpoint in here so you can see it actually being invoked as our page is rendered. Okay, so page has already been rendered. So let me just restart the app by just pressing refresh in the browser and our breakpoint is hit. Um, and for those who are familiar with sort of the, the sort of the XAML space and worked with WPF or Windows, the kind of folder structure of this shared project would be fairly familiar. So you've got an app.xaml, which represents sort of the application or the entry point for the application. And then you've got your sort of your first page or your main page of the application. And so here where we've got the debugging uh, breakpoint set, um, this is on the on-launched event. Um, and it allows you to do things like hover over and see, see variable values. Um, you can obviously step through just using the standard debugging experience. Um, I'm actually going to let that run. And we're going to hop over to this, this main page XAML. Um, and we'll, we'll show you know, how we can tweak that in a little bit. Let's actually see the application running. Okay, it's Hello World. That corresponds to this XAML that we've seen in here. Just a little bit of a note to the project or solution structure. Um, so the, the default template represents an UNO app that is targeting Net6 um, and is available um, for mobile, so iOS, Android, and Mac Catalyst, um, using this single mobile solution. Okay, so this is a .NET um, 6 project. If I click on the solution file, you can see that. So it's .NET 6 targeting these various .NET 6 platforms. The other projects that are in here uh, represent the other targets that you can you can um, build your app for. So Skia, WPF, WASM um, and Windows. Now, if you're, if you're comparing this to, to Maui, Maui actually includes Windows into the, the mobile project. Um, and, and we can probably foresee that the UNO platform will do that at some point in the, in the near future, but for the time being, it's both broken off to be kept separate. Um, and then, so let's just dig into the shared project. I mean, I mentioned that this has got your standard app files, but this is essentially where the source code for all of your app is going to reside. Um, you don't really need to touch the, the other project files um, unless you want to set, set them as the startup project um, or you want to go and customize things like the, the, um, the splash screen or the, the um, icons and things like that for those individual platforms. Anyway, let's go back to our, our XAML for a second um, and let me just zoom this in a little bit. Oh. Let's go. There we go. Okay, so we've got our text block. Let's go ahead and add in a slider. Um, now you'll notice that we are continuing to run the application, so we're not actually stopping it. Um, and we're gonna add in a slider, give it a name. Close that. And we'll set up the data binding like we saw in the um, slides. So we just do binding value and element name equals slider. Okay, so essentially that's a data binding to the slider element, and we're going to be binding on the value property of the slider. So hopefully, as we save that, uh, when we go back to our web experience, we should see that update. It says, 
yes. Okay, so um, for some reason the hot reload is not working. Uh, let's go. Let's go and retry that. We should see that load in a second. A bit of lucky gives us a sidebar. There we go. Um, and it allows you to drag and drop. Um, now, what should have happened is that those should have actually, uh, when I saved the file, it should have actually automatically um, reloaded them. So let's just try and change the order of those and see whether it's actually going to make a difference. I don't think it is. Let's just boost the font size on this and see whether that changes too. Yeah, okay, so it's, it's starting to make some changes now. So that's boosted up in the font size. So the hot reload has kicked in for, for that. Um, now, the next thing we're going to do is actually switch over and show the um, the GTK, so the, essentially the Linux build. Um, no, remembering I'm actually running on Windows, so being able to do this is pretty cool. Um, and so this basically makes use of the, the um, of WSL to basically build and run the application. Okay, so this is a, a Linux app running on Windows um, with a full debugging experience from VS Code. Okay, so it's exactly the same code that we just had running for Wasm. Now, as we get into it, I'll, I'll also show some of the other targets, um, but for the time being, we'll hop back to the slides. So let's do that. Um, so just a bit of back history on the, the UNO platform for those who are interested. Um, it has been around for quite some time. So back in 2013 was when it sort of kind of was the inception um, with the sort of the first real version available in 2018 um, and its deployment as, as an open source project, um, along with things like WebAssembly sort of made its first kind of appearance. And over the course of the last couple of years, we've seen subsequent releases for sort of version two, version three, um, and then last year we saw the release of version four, which is currently the, 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 the major version that we're kind of working to. And, and version four saw with it um, both the support for .NET 6, but also a number of these sort of platform-ish experiences um, like the toolkit, Figma plugin, uh, VS Code, and the extensions modules that we've been working on. So. The Unit platform is a there's a free and publicly available um, set of source code you can you can take, um, and the support basically is available as a paid sort of enterprise kind of model. Um, if you, if you want to make sure that um, you've got a support model in place for it, um, and I, and I think this is kind of one of the big differentiators from something like Maui, even though you know people would argue that Maui is like a first party experience. Um, the, the advantage of Uno platform is that if you if you do want that sort of guarantee that there's going to be a support mechanism there, um, there is this sort of paid support mechanism. Um, not not to mention the fact that you know is a very active um, open source library and basically everything, whether it be the core platform or the toolkits um, and the extensions, they're all done in the open. Okay, so the source code for those additional things are also also open source. Um, Microsoft is actually Uno's largest um, source code contributor. Um, so a lot of the core platform, whether it be UWP or WinUI, um, the, the team have used the virtual underlying source code for that to, to generate the, the abstractions for the other platforms. Um, so for example, if you look at things like the date time picker, there's a very high amount of reuse available there um, to make sure that that same experience is delivered across the various other platforms. If you're looking at other sort of third-party controls, um, there's a there's a whole bunch of net standard libraries. So you know, for any library that is truly a net standard library, that can just be dropped in and will actually work. Um, and as we now move into sort of the .NET 6 era, any .NET 6 um, library will also work across those various the various um, the various targets. Um, 
So, so there's a bit of consensus there. One thing I would note about the .NET standard libraries is where there are platform-specific components, um, those will need to make sure that they're available for the individual platform. So, for example, one of the, the, the stumbling blocks at the moment is a, a, a .NET standard library that Microsoft produced for doing authentication with um, Azure AD, so the, the MSAL library. Um, and that technically is a, is a .NET standard library um, that's got different implementations for the various underlying platforms. Platforms and, and, and right now that's broken for Net6, so none of your mobile targets will work. Um, only the desktop one will work for Net6 um, as they get around to adding support for things like .NET MAUI and obviously Uno for, for Net6 targets. Um, so, so there is a bit of a gotcha there where there are platform-specific components there. Uh, Third-party controls, there's um, a number of sort of uh, the control libraries that are available for, for the UNO platform. Um, I'm a big fan of, of what the live charts guys have been doing, um, but there are other stuff from Infogistics and Syncfusion that's available for the UNO platform as well. Uh, and lastly, there's um, a number of the presentation frameworks. So also known as sort of MVVM style frameworks. Um, so Prism and React UI uh, um, are both available um, for UNO as well. For example, if you want to look at the Infogistics controls, this is some of the, the different controls and grids that they have available, um, and they render pretty much the identically across all of the various target platforms. I mentioned at the beginning that um, one of the air, big areas of investment for the UNO team is around sort of this productivity and sort of the platform part of it. Um, so the, sort of the phrase was that the V4 release really put the platform back in, in UNO platform. Um, and so there's a move there to, to obviously continue support the underlying um, core platform and make sure that that's available um, for all of the different targets. But now to actually start work on some of the components that make it easy for um, Everything from design all the way through to deployment of apps um, is that it made that much simpler and easier to do. So if we get started, um, we'll look at design. Um, and this it, this is a common problem that we see um, when building apps. Um, in fact, anytime we're building software where there's been some designers involved, there's this handover where design stops and just sort of the developers get either some static images or they get, you know, um, a sort of an exported set of information from the design documents. Um, and this handoff is typically very error prone. Um, not only is it hard for the developers to work out exact measurements and, and how that translates to the app. Um, they also don't understand the, the necessary things like animations and, and transitions and, and all of those types of things that, that the design or the, the designer had intended, um, but it's hard to communicate to the actual developer. On the flip side, we, there are a number of tools out there that do this whole sort of design-generated code. And so, you know, there are things like the Power Platform and stuff like that, that um, where designers can go in there and actually pull together the, the look and feel of the app, um, generate a, an actual working app for various platforms. The limit here is that those tend to be fairly opinionated. Um, they tend to be a little bit rigid, and so they do typically provide some form of extensibility, um, but in terms of truly styling the app um, and being able to add custom controls and things like that, they are somewhat rigid and, and um, hard to 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 adapt. Um, and so designers feel very constrained when they're trying to build using those tools. Now, hopefully what the, the Uno platform is delivering is somewhere in the middle of there. So they recognize that, you know, designers spend a lot of time in, in their preferred tools. So for things like Figma. Um, and if there's a way that we can then take what they've done and actually generate the bulk of the code, 
um, then that's obviously a, a bonus. And given that the the whole Uno platform, including the Windows side of things, is is based around XAML, um, it would seem sensible for us to to generate that XAML. Um, and and the nice thing, because it's completely abstracted away from any of the sort of source code, it means that there's it sort of a, um, allows that round tripping of code. So you know, as the designs change, you could regenerate the XAML. Um, and actually just drop it basically into the app without having to make many, if any, changes. So the Figma support is two parts. There is a component library that we'll look at in a second, and a, this plugin that allows you to sort of generate the XAML from um, from what, your, uh, what you've designed. Um, and so the upshot there is that we're generating the XAML, and this should handle things like not just the layout of the page, but it should handle things like localization and you know where where we should be applying that. Um, things like um, reactive extensions and, and navigation and, and accessibility should all be handled from Figma and driven down using the XAML export. Okay, so here's a, a very short video that um, kind of shows the template in action. Um, we'll just play that for a few minutes. Um, few seconds once it kicks in it kicks in okay maybe it's not going to get there anyhow we're, we're going to drop into figure and have a look at it anyhow so let's just pause that um and so here's here's a screenshot of, of the figma design experience uh, for those who are familiar with it and the idea there is that on the left here you've got your design and then you've got the plugin that's able to generate the corresponding XAML for that plugin so with much without much ado, let's actually switch over and we'll actually load up some Figma. Let's actually grab my Figma document. Um, so this is the Uno Platform Material Toolkit um, that's a, that's freely available. You can go down, go launch Figma and go um, search for it, um, and then you basically generate a copy or a clone of the the toolkit um, that you can then get started with. Uh, there's some initial getting started instructions, um, and in fact, from here, you can actually do things like vary the various platform colors or the default colors that you want to make use of. Um, so this is a starting point, so it kind of defines colors um, and gives you sort of a bit of a preview of what your the theme of your application is going to look like. So if I was to drop into here and actually change what the primary color would be, you'd see that reflected through all of the, the, the pages here so that you can see how your changes to your theme colors is going to be impacted on the various layouts. Um, Next thing is that we've got the, the actual theme page. So this goes just a little bit more detail. So it, it provides all of the colors in sort of one spot to allow you to see how they're going to, to work against each other. You can go ahead and make changes to things like typography, sort of elevations in terms of heights and, and, and shadows. Um, there's also a bunch of things around icons and um, um, things like the, the way that your icon or app icons are presented. Um, so this is quite a useful page in terms of just working out the style pattern for your application. Uh, and then we just drop into components. And these are these are components that are known to work well with um, with the Uno platform. Uh, and so you can go in here and look at the different variants. Now, um, this isn't a page where you're going to necessarily modify these, um, but it gives you an idea of what all of the variants are going to look like. Um, we'll see in a second how you then make use of those by you can drag them across from the, the assets tab onto your page that you're working on. Uh, the next thing down is preset components. Um, in the latest toolkit version, I think this is going to be renamed to, to templates. Um, but the idea here, these are 
um, a preset components or preset groups of components um, that you can basically take as a group and basically drop into your into your application design. The big difference here is that components are designed to link back to the component definition. So, you know, when you drop a button onto a page, it's actually linked back to this button. So if you do want to override the, the, the behavior of the sorry, the look and feel of it, you can make that change here and it will flow down to all of the various pages within your application. However, preset components are designed to be detached. So once you've dragged a, or copied a, one of these preset components onto your page, you actually detach it from the underlying here, um, page on, uh, that's laid out here. Um, and that allows you to then control the layout on the individual page that you're working on. Speaking of which, let's actually take a look at the sample app that comes packaged with the toolkit. Um, and so here you can see it's just sort of a very sort of commerce orientated. So, you know, you can go look for deals and products. Um, so click on the click on the details and actually see the full information and then you can go about adding things to your cart um, so this design sort of template gives you an idea of, of how an app would typically look um, if you want to get started with your own um, from the assets tab you can do things like you can start off with a page and there's a sort of a template for a mobile orientated page you can drag that onto your design surface um, and then you can go look for things like a button and you can drag that across so I can grab the um, build button and just drop it onto there. And from over here, I can then go and modify some of the, the behavior of that. Um, actually, I'm sorry, let's just grab the other button, which is this one here. And you can see that you can uh, toggle the icon. Um, you can change the actual style of it to so filled or um, outline. Um, and that will determine the, the, the look and feel on the page. So you're not you're not modifying the underlying um, type of button, like the actual look and, the overall look of the button. You're basically just toggling some of the parameters there. And so when we export this into XAML, those are configurable options that, that get emitted as properties on XAML. Okay, let me just go ahead and remove this extra page. Um, we're going to come back to this page in a, in a little bit because we're actually going to copy or extract the XAML out of these pages as we get into the demo. So the next thing we want to talk about is the themes library. Okay, um, these are these ship as a NuGet package. There are themes available for both Material and Cupertino. Um, the Flutter theme is what comes packaged with the Uno platform. So if you go and grab either WinUI or UWP, and then you grab Uno platform for the other platforms, what you get out of the box is the Fluent design language. So this is the design language that Microsoft has shipped for for Windows. And so, you know, being a cross-platform technology that's focused on, you know, bringing that Windows experience to those other platforms, the default style that you get is this, the Fluent style. Uh, most of the sort of the, mo particularly the mobile apps that people are building, um, they tend to favor the material um, toolkit, or material design language. Um, so you can go and grab that as a, as a package from NuGet, drop it in, um, import it into your resources, and then you can start to assign the, the various colors and styles to the individual components that you have. Um, and similarly, you can do the same with Cupertino if you want your app to be styled like it belongs on an iPhone. Uh, next up is the toolkit. So um, again, Microsoft's done a great job of building out um, WinUI for the desktop platform. Um, unfortunately, when we're looking at mobile apps, there are some very mobile specific um, controls that are that are just missing from WinUI. So things like the navigation bar and the tab bar, they just don't exist in uh, WinUI. And so as such, they don't exist in the in the, the, the default platform for Uno. And so this toolkit is designed to bring 
additional controls that one would expect from particularly for mobile uh, to the to, to the UNO platform. Um, and so, you know, in the case of these, with for example, the navigation bar, uh, the toolkit provides a navigation bar for not just um, iOS and Android, but it is also there for, for Windows. Okay? So this is part of the, the, the cross-platform offering that's available on all platforms. Um, and there's some other controls uh, that you see on the right-hand side there. There's also a drawer that's sort of a pop-up container from the bottom. And there's this auto layout control that allows it to your, your application um, layout to adjust based on the size and the, the style of your application. The next thing is the extensions packages. Um, so this kind of follows on from the work that Microsoft has done around the Microsoft extensions. Um, so this is this sort of provides um, implementation for things like dependency injection, configuration, so being able to pull configuration from app settings or JSON and other sources. Um, it provides some wrapper around HTTP, so you know bringing in or registering endpoints and and defining HTTP clients for specific endpoints. It had um, provides some extensions around logging and serialization. Um, and of course, things like environments and, and local support for some localization. So those are some of the default um, extensions that come part of the, the UNO extensions packages. Um, and, and actually, as we'll see in a minute, there's an UNO extensions template that actually makes use of some of these components as well. Two of the, the extensions that are worth calling out are navigation. Um, so the, the built-in navigation experience, because it's win Windows, is based on a frame-based. So it's frames with pages that you transition between. Um, obviously, that doesn't work for all styles of applications. So a lot of applications have tabs. Um, or you have a navigation view that determines what's in view. Uh, so with the, the navigation library is, is a, um, a way of abstracting a lot of those navigation orientated um, phrases um, and making it easier to write your navigation logic either in the code behind for the pages or in your, your view model. Um, and so it provides a common abstraction for that. Next up is the reactive extensions. And so um, as much as we all love NVVM as sort of a, a, you know, code for do data binding, um, the reality is that that model is, is, is getting a little tired and particularly in view of some of the sort of the more um, MVU style um, to patterns that are around where, you know, a user interaction drives a change to the underlying model that then bubbles up as a change to the actual way that the user presented. And so that model doesn't necessarily fit well with data binding um, uh, because, you know, the, the the view model is designed to have properties that that are mutable um, as opposed to this, this sort of MVU pattern where the, the model is really immutable and your data binding. Uh, the idea ideal would be that you data bind to the, to the updated um, the updated model. And so this, the, the reactive extensions essentially provide um, this sort of data binding mechanism for an MBU style model uh, through a, the use of generated code. Um, so this, this is, um, you know, more complex and deserves its own um, dedicated session, um, but it is worth noting um, and it's quite interesting for those who are, um, who are interested in, in adopting a more MBU style based application. Uh, the next thing is the, the VS Code int integration. Um, and so as we saw at the beginning, um, there has been a lot of work to make sure that uh, developers who want to make use of the Uno platform but don't necessarily want to target Windows using Visual Studio um, can do so using VS Code. Um, and so right now that's that's well supported uh, with things like code completion, hot reload, um, and, and doing a lot of the sort of the um, debugging step through behavior that we, we know and love um, from things like Visual Studio. So let's actually jump back in code when it says you take another look at um, a different app template. Um, so this time we're going to um, 
use the UNOAB extensions template. And we're not going to use the VS Code extension on the end because we're going to run this in Visual Studio. Um, so it goes through the same process. Um, again, if I'd switched to Visual Studio straight away, I could have actually used the um, the template that's actually built into Visual Studio um, to actually do exactly the same thing. So here we're going to actually launch the solution file. So we shall, of course, launch Visual Studio. And in much the same way as the, the previous template generated a solution with multiple projects, um, this one generated even more projects. Okay, and you might be asking why. Uh, and the reason for that is that when we're typically building out an application, there are other projects that we would typically want to have in here. So for example, we have two tests, test projects. So we have um, a test project that's essentially a unit test project. And then we have a UI test project that is designed to essentially launch the app and actually step through a number of tests um, to actually make sure to validate the behavior of your application. We also have a separate class library. Um, so for example, our view models and our other sort of models are, are located in a separate class library. This is a net standard library, although um, a lot of the projects we're now doing would just bump this up to being a net six um, library. And, and of course, we still have our shared project. So this is our project down at the bottom. It's actually got all of our application files. So app.xaml, it's got our main page, and it's got a secondary page that we can see that transition between the two. Um, so let's just go ahead and run this on Windows. So I'm going to set that as a startup. Uh, for the time being, I'm actually going to unload these projects. And the reason being is that um, when you go to build and run, um, when you do a restore, it'll attempt to restore all of those applications as opposed to just the target that you actually want to build. So it just saves you a few minutes in terms of building and running your application. Let's go ahead and build for Windows. And we should see our application launch. Um, so this is this is the exact same window, you know, developer experience that you would get if you were building any other WinUI application. However, you will notice that we've got this sort of material-looking style. So this the, this template actually already brings in the material style. Um, so particularly if you're targeting sort of iOS and Android, it automatically produces an app that's going to look like it belongs on those platforms. If I click on this go to second page, you can see that it transitions to a second page. You can see that we do have a sort of this navigation bar at the top. It wasn't so evident on the first page, so on this page it's not that evident. Um, but as we go to the second page where you see things like this back button appear, this navigation bar is designed to sort of automatically pick up whether there's pages in the back stack. So you as a developer don't have to worry about writing specific code for that. Okay, so what we're going to do is actually jump back to our Figma um, page, and we're going to actually borrow a couple of page designs from here. So we're going to use the search products and then the product details page, um, and we're going to use those to represent our, our main and second page in our application and just put a decent amount of style on them. So I'll click on this um, search product. I'll make sure that the actual page is selected, uh, and I'm going to right-click and go plugins, the Uno platform. Um, so this, this plugin's got a number of neat little features. Um, of which exporting the XAML is obviously one of them. This play button, so this preview, um, if I click on the, the refresh button and get it to actually preview the app, what we're actually gonna see here is essentially a running version of this app. So on the left here, we can see that this is our Figma document. What we've got in the plugin is this Figma document has been, or this page in the Figma document has been generated into XAML. 
and then the XAML has been parsed and actually run as a WASM application. So this is basically a, a hosted WASM application within the Figma plugin. And so you can do things like you can actually put your focus into the text block and you can actually type in it. So it is, does have some interaction. The list is scrollable, et cetera. These, these buttons are all there. They don't, they're not wired up to any form of navigation um, because it is just a, uh, a preview of what the experience would look like. Um, and of course, we can switch to the XAML view um, and we can use that to basically copy out the XAML for this page. So we'll do that. We'll drop, switch back to Visual Studio. Oh, wrong one. Let's just close that. Um, let's go back to our running app. And I'm going to bring up our main page, uh, which currently doesn't have very much on it. It's just got that single button that was in the middle of the screen. I'm going to replace the grid with the contents that I copied out of the Figma document. Okay, so you can see here that it's just dropped in a whole bunch of different XAML into here. There is a little bit of a build error here, so I'm going to do control dot, and it's basically going to assist me by adding a Uno material namespace. So whilst we've got a project reference to the Uno material, we need to import it as a namespace into our XAML so that we can use it. Okay, so let's just give this a bit of a run and make sure that the styling of our application has been updated. Okay, so yeah, as we expected, we've now got the search box at the top, we've got the buttons down the bottom, um, but we're missing a bunch of products in the middle. Okay, so we haven't written any code to actually source those products. Uh, so let's go ahead and do that. So let's just, uh, we're gonna make a, a use of a, um, a publicly available data feed until we should bring this in. Um, but before we do that, I'm also going to make reference um, to the uh, community toolkit um, NVVM um, uh, package. Uh, reason for being this is it provides a very nice wrapper for, uh, or implementation, I should say, for iNotify property change, along with some um, attributes that can be used to generate a bit of source code. The next thing we're going to do is actually go into our main uh, view model, and we're going to copy in an, um, essentially the information or, or the, the, the definition of a refit endpoint. So I'll come down to the bottom here, and we're just going to drop in a bunch of classes here. So um, essentially what we've got here is a dummy endpoint that's got us so this is basically um it's got a single endpoint so it's products um that, that's going to be surfaced up as a get products method okay so it's just an interface refit's going to dump um essentially generate the actual class for us uh, that, that that implements this interface um, the response from this gets products is a product response that has a single item inside it called products. Um, and as you can see here, the product is basically made up of, th of things that you'd expect, like a name, a brand, price, and photos, etc. Okay, so let's just go and make use of that in our, our main view model. Um, so we're going to change this so our main view model in, in, um, input inherits from an observable um, object, which is part of the NVM toolkit. And we're going to come down here and we're going to basically accept an I dummy endpoint into our, the constructor of our main view model. Um, so essentially, we don't have to worry about where it's being instantiated from and stuff like that because the, the dependency injection component that we have, courtesy of extensions, is automatically going to pass that endpoint into our main view model. Okay, we do need to worry about what we're going to do with it. So we'll do uh, load product. We'll pass that endpoint into that, and we'll let Visual Studio generate that method. Come down here, we'll change that to be an async task, and in here, we're simply just going to call the endpoint. 
sorry, get bias. So, um, and then of course we need to expose this as a set of, as something that we can data bind to. So we'll come up here and we're going to do um, observable property. And we're going to return a property called items. But to do that, um, using this observable property attribute, we're going to have a private field, which is essentially going to be an array of products, um, and it's called, called items. And the reason for that is because in our view, in our XAML, uh, the item that we're going to be data binding to, or the data binding expression is items. So we'll make sure that our model is, um, matches that. But down here, we basically need to assign a value to that. So we're going to do items equals response dot products. Now it's worth noting that this is uppercase items um, and this is lowercase. This is because the uppercase property is being generated off this backing field um, courtesy of the MVVM toolkit. So that should be all that we need to actually to launch or to uh, for our main view model to have a list of products available. Um, there is a little bit of extra wiring up that we need to do to make sure that um, that uh, refit is generating the right um, classes for us. So if we come down to our app.xaml, um, this XAML host.cs is where the, the, the host or the, the um, is created for our application. So this is where things like environments defined, logging, um, and there's a spot down here where you can add your own services. Um, and actually what we're going to do is actually we're going to say we want um, to use HTTP. Um, so this adds things like some native HTTP handlers. Um, and we're going to say we want it to let's see whether it's going to generate my code. It's not. So I want to use using um, uno .refit. Should be included in there. Let's just see why it's not putting that in. Hmm, interesting. Let's just try building that for a second. So the other, uh, let me just try the other way of expressing this, which we know is the, uh, which normally does code do the correct code completion for us. Uh, there we go. So that brings in the right namespace, but then I can get rid of that. Okay. So essentially we're going to use add, add refit to basically define what our endpoint is going to be. Uh, the only other thing that this really needs is going to be a, um, uh, a, an endpoint defined in our app.xaml, sorry, our app settings.json. So let me just go ahead and define that. Drop that in here. So this is going to define what the, the, the URL of our actual endpoint is going to be. And now we should be in a position where we can essentially run our application. Okay, and to behind the scenes, as our main page is launched, it's actually going to, to um, pull back the list of items. Now, it would be really nice if clicking on one of these items would take us across to our second page. Um, so to do that, we're going to employ a bit of navigation logic. Um, so we'll come to our list view, and on here, we're basically going to say that we want our navigation uh, request to be second. And you might go, okay, where's the second coming from? Well, 
we go back to our host definition here, you can see that we've got a bunch of routes that are defined, of which the second one down here is called second. And so, so this is for a view model called second view model. Um, so that's how that um, the, the navigation system knows where we want to navigate to. The other thing we need to do is we want to set, we need to communicate to it that it's going to accept a product. Okay, so we're going to change this to, from a view map to be a data view map that takes a product as part of it. The next thing we need to do is obviously update our second view model. Um, so this is the definition on that um, over here. Uh, so right now this is an empty class. We're going to change this to be a record because we don't actually need any logic actually in it. And for this, we're going to take in a product and that's the all we need in our second view model. Lastly, the other, of course, we need to um, show something on the UI. Otherwise, we're just going to navigate to a blank page. So we're going to start off with a text block that basically just shows what product we're going to be um, seeing. So we'll do uh, binding to product.name. And we'll put this in the middle of the page. And there we are. We should be good to go. So let's go ahead and, and do that. So now what we should see is we should see a list of products that when we click on the product, it should take us to our second page. And as we go back, well, oh, interesting. So one thing we noticed there, um, although it did it quite quickly, is that it actually reloaded the page. So it didn't leave us back where we where we were. And so, for example, if I'd scrolled down the page, if I'm now clicking on it and going back, it's actually going to reset back to the beginning of the page. So luckily, there's a bit of a fix for that. The other thing we, we're missing here is that we're missing any form of imagery that should be um, here. And again, on the second page, we're obviously missing the entire design of this page. So let's go and see if we can fix some just some of these problems. So on our main, we'll start with the main page. So we're going to go here. And to stop it refreshing every time, we're going to actually change the navigation cache mode. Um, and we're going to set that to um, required. Okay, so basically the, the navigation, the, the main page is going to stay in as it was as we navigate to the second page. As we come back to it, it won't be repopulated um, using this navigation cache mode. The next thing is that uh, we're currently missing uh, any images in our template, even though there is actually an image as part of this template. So, and that's because our data binding expression is essentially wrong. So we're gonna change that to photos and we'll data bind to the first of the, the photos that's available on our, our entity. Now, of course, our second page doesn't have any XAML on it. So we'll, for that, we're gonna go back to our Figma document. And this time we're gonna pick our product details page, which is across here. Um, and with that in focus, I'm gonna hit the refresh button in the, in the plugin. And so that will generate some different code. And we're going to copy that again, come back to our this video studio, this one. Um, and we're going to drop this in in place of this grid. Okay, so again, I'm just going to scroll up, make sure there's no build errors. Okay, there is this rating control currently hasn't been added in. Okay, so I'll comment that out for a second. And I'm pretty certain I need to just add a namespace for this one as well. Okay, so now we should be pretty good to go. Um, the only thing that we'll notice is that uh, when we run it, um, it won't actually, the data context won't be correctly set. Um, so what we'll end up with is a nicely looking page, but with actually no content in it. So, okay, so the images are now showing, which is a good sign on the, our main page. If I click through here, uh, we've got the, the right design for our second page, but we've got no details here. Okay, so let's just go and fix that. 
Um, and sure enough, as we come back to this page, it's actually maintaining the, the correct position on it. So we, we've made some progress. Let's just go and fix our second page. Um, and essentially what we see on our second page, if we scroll down, we've got things like an image. Okay, let's just correct that data binding as well. Um, and we've got things like um, the name. Okay, but hang on. If we look at our, uh, sorry, our second view model, we've got an object called product. Well, the product's got a name. So if we go to definition on that, it's got a name property, but the the second view model itself doesn't have one. Okay, so what we essentially need to do is come up to the top here and on one of these um, top elements, we'll actually say that we're going to change the data context to be a essentially a derived element. So basically we're going to say data bind to the product um, property on the, the second view model and thereby the other data binding expressions are all going to be in relation to this product. Um, so they should make sense now. Okay, so we click through all of that um, and there we have our image. Okay, so, so the image isn't scaling particularly well, um, but we've got some nice things like, you know, the title and the, the brand. Um, the price needs a bit of styling, so let's just go and um, as our last modification, we're coming to here. Um, let's just go to our product um, and we're going to add another property in here, so a derived property. So we'll mark it as JSON ignore and we'll do public string formatted uh, price. And this is a derived property, so it's going to be, um, we're going to take in price. Uh, actually, we don't even need the brackets on that. We just basically do two price, uh, two string, and use the currency converter there. Uh, so, of course, um, in our second page where we are showing that, so let's just go and find the price in here. We want to change that to formatted price. Okay, so we'll give it a bit of a run and hopefully that's nicely formatted as an actual um, dollar value now. Okay, so that's been nicely formatted um, and we can make use of that in the other places where the price has been exposed. Um, so with that, we're going to switch back to the slides. Um, and so just talk about a couple of the customers that um, the Uno platform's got. Um, so there's a, a big array of different customers that are using the platform for different platforms. So for example, Trade Zero uh, is targeting, um, it's a consumer kind of experience. It's targeting the mobile platforms, um, but they've got an experience to basically take the, uh, a plan to then take that to the other platforms like web and desktop. Um, the NuGet Package Explorer, um, I'm sure all of us have spent way too many hours on NuGet. But um, so many people I talk to don't actually realize that the Package Explorer even exists. So let's just do uno.extensions.configuration here. Click through to this. Um, and over on the right-hand side, you'll see this open in NuGet Package Explorer. So I'll click on that. And what this is going to do, so this is a Uno platform WASM application. Um, and it's actually going to be downloading that package expanding it on the client side and showing you the content. So you can actually drill down and have a look at the contents. You can view the metadata about the, sort of the package information. Um, you can actually click on logos and actually see what they look like. Um, so it's kind of like a really useful tool to know to, to know how your package or about um, a particular package. 
Um, and there's things like you can see the dependency list and stuff like that. So it's, it's a very useful tool um, if you want to sort of drop, just drop down and actually have a look at what's included in the packages. Um, but it is also an, an Uno platform build. Um, and it's a, it was one that was originally started on Windows um, and then migrated to the web using the Uno platform. Uh, another client is uh, Kahoo. Um, and so they've got a, a WinForm, sorry, a, a WP, quite a large WPF-based application, um, and their strategy is to basically use the Uno platform to bring that to the web. Um, and this is so this is a relatively large enterprise sort of scale kind of application, um, and it's very performant on the the web. Uh, the Uno calculator. So this basically takes the uh, the original source code from the Windows calculator and now makes it available um, across the entire spectrum of the the Uno platform. Okay, so to wrap things up, um, so the Uno platform essentially allows you to take WinUI and make it available on um, essentially any platform that's able to run .NET, um, including things like the web. Um, so you've got a, a, you can now use XAML to build an application that's going to look and behave properly on the web. Um, rather than necessarily to write HTML and CSS. Uh, one of the big things about the web, though, is that if you do have a JavaScript component or some libraries or some CSS and stuff like that that you want to make use of, you can include that um, as part of your application. Um, so libraries that are available for you know, connecting to security or connecting to backends or whatever, uh, all of those can be added in as JavaScript libraries from uh, for the, the web build. Uh, the idea, unlike some other platforms, is to provide a pixel-perfect um, experience. So it doesn't matter what platform you're targeting, the UI should look um, the same on each of those platforms. Um, and lastly, the, the, the call to go and have a look at is the Figma integration, um, and it provides a rapid way for designers to basically um, give you uh, um, the design of an application and then extract the XAML to basically jumpstart the development of your application. So to get started with the Uno platform, go to platform.uno. Um, the team are available on Discord. Um, and if you've got any issues, then you can report those directly to the GitHub repo um, or the repos, I should say. So there's the Uno platform core that's just slash Uno. Um, and then there's the extensions, the toolkit, um, and the, um, the VS Code stuff as well. Um, so, and that's it. Thank you very much for listening. And um, yeah, take any questions either from, either from the, the floor or in the, the chat. Um, Brian, you got a question? Yes, always, right? Yeah. Um, can you hear us in the room? Uh, it's, a little, it's a little soft, but yes, I can. I'll try and speak up then. Yeah. So you showed the Figma libraries for Material. Yep. Do they have equivalent Figma libraries for if you are using the Fluence UI? So currently, currently they don't. Um, the idea is that they've got a little bit more work on the material library to do, um, and then they're going to be doing the same or similar for Cupertino and and probably Fluent as well. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, look, it, it is a starting point. And and one, the one thing I would say though is that you can, I mean, you you could change the styling on the the material. Um, um, Toolkit. Um, so one of the interesting things that they are also doing as part of the work, both in the toolkit, the material library, and the uh, Figma library, is that they are sort of rationalizing the the various brushes and colors and stuff like that are, that are available across all of the platforms. So the idea is that so when you define your application in the to use a primary brush, it shouldn't matter whether you're using you know Material or Cupertino or Fluent that brush should be used in the correct places for those different um, 
uh, design languages. So the idea is that you're pulling out things like a lot of those design assets as things that you can define once, and then you can basically switch between the various themes and, and you know, to decide on which theme you actually want to make use of. So. I also have another question on the on the XAML generation from the figure as well. Yep. I'm assuming that's working based on the um, components that build up all of these templates and everything. If you add your own little custom components to it, does that prevent you from being able to generate XAML, or is it just leave a big question mark block for you to code yourself when you're yes. exporting? So it doesn't break it. Um, so typically, if you're bringing in your own components, they'll get rendered as very sort of basic elements, so like borders and grids and things like that, as opposed to the more complex controls. Um, so the guidance is for, for sort of things like buttons and stuff like that. It would be advised to stay with the components that are defined. Um, but if you're just, you know, adding like a, a, a great background on, a, on a, an element and you want to do that, you can just drop in a, a, a regular element and it will work. Um, and it would just get generated as a as a border or a grid. Um, so, yeah. Look, the, the teams. Eight, the, more. <laughs> sorry, what was that? I'll, I'll say I'll let someone else go with more questions that I have more. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, yeah, no, it's just that the, um, the, look, the team are de definitely look for, looking for feedback on the Figma tool. Um, so if you if you get started playing around with it and you do have questions or you've got feedback on how it's working for you, um, the team are, uh, are definitely interested in that. Um, even though, you know, the first version came out a year ago, it is still deemed to be in preview um, because it's definitely a, a, a work in progress that they're trying to, you know, well, we're trying to get the best experience for that, that sort of developer designer handoff. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, looks really impressive, actually. The, the Figma inspiration is compelling. I think you um, talked earlier about WinUI. Um, I think from what I've read, there's different versions of WinUI. So which which yep. one? So, so this is this is here? yeah. So this is WinUI three, which is a is the version of WinUI which has abstracted the or extracted the XAML out or the, the the XAML engine out of UWP. So Microsoft's gone through this evolution where UWP is the sort of the platform framework for building Windows applications, um, and so they've taken the sort of the application framework part of that away from the operating system and made it available as WinUI. Um, and packaged it as this WinApp SDK. Um, so essentially, you're building a Win32 based application um, that has the ability to use, you know, WinUI XAML, so XAML and C Sharp. Um, so to, to answer your question, the two main versions are, are WinUI 2X, so I think it's one's 2.8 or something like that, um, and WinUI 3. So WinUI 2X is designed for use being used inside a UWP application. Um, WinUI 3 is designed to be used in a WinApp SDK-based application. Yeah. Yeah. Is there support for video controls, like for streaming video at all? Um, so the, the, there is definitely for, for rendering video. Um, the streaming side, particularly with DRM, I would have to double check. I, I'm not sure where where the platform is on, on that. Um, 
but I, I, th I think just general like normal streaming stuff is fine. Um, DRM becomes a little bit harder because you, there are very some, some native platform components that need to make that happen, um, particularly on Android. Um, so there's always some some issues around that. Um, so. Okay, I've used Avalone before, and um, video was one of the things I had to be careful of because it wasn't implemented on every platform. Uh, are there similar behaviors? Uh, yes, in the green you need to be careful if you're picking out controls. Um, look, I'll be honest, there are. Um, so there are some edge cases that where there are not controls. Um, so particularly, um, and this is true of, of all of those cross-platform frameworks, so Avalonia, .NET MAUI um, and, and um, the UNO platform. Um, so things like um, map support, um, I'm, I don't think the uh, map support's there in Net6 uh, at the moment. Um, so it would, like, as part of doing sort of due diligence for, for which framework to use, I, I would definitely say, you know, make sure you investigate those sort of um, more complex controls that you need, that you want to take advantage of. Um, in the same way as you would third-party controls, like, I, I mean, there are some good third-party vendors that are supporting the um, UNO framework, um, but it would be worth making sure that, the, that your, you know, controls of choice are there. Um, and if they're not, you know, look, raise it with the UNO team. Um, and so particularly if, the, if there's a control library that's available for, for UWP or WinUI, um, the team can basically, you know, reach out to the, the vendor and, and see whether we can get a, an UNO version built, because um, usually that's quite kind of a minimal amount of effort to get it to, to be cross-ported like that, so. Great, that's excellent, thanks. Um, I'm fairly new to cross-platform .NET, so it's confusing me a little bit as to what would be the main differences between uh, Maui, Blazor, and Uno. Um, so let's let's start off with the difference between Blazor and Maui slash Uno. Um, so that's the, the the big difference there is that you're essentially building using web technology um, and then having it run within a, a native shell. So if you're talking about you know Blazor for Maui or for, I forget what they exactly call it, um, but essentially you're you're building your application as a web application and then um, parts of it run natively. So the the code behind um, does run natively. Um, but it's it's still essentially using the sort of the, the Blazor framework for building applications. Um, and so that's particularly useful if you have a Blazor website um, and you want to reuse that code for building out your mobile targets. Um, in terms of the difference between Maui and Uno platform, um, so their their approach to um, the way that the, they abstract the underlying framework, uh, underlying platforms are different. Um, so, uh, uh, as an example, Maui abstracts every platform and, and provides a common layer for all of them, whereas the Uno platform doesn't abstract on Windows. You're actually using the, the um, WinUI on Windows, whereas Maui provides an abstraction over the top of those. Um, they also don't use um, the control templating uh, for most of their controls. Um, so it can, you know, st advanced styling and, and and control templating is very new to the to the Xamarin forms and Maui world. Um, there are some sort of, of their newer controls that do support um, con, uh, con, uh, control templates. Um, 
whereas the Uno platform is, is is built from the ground up to support control templates. So it makes it very easy to, to you know, change the look and feel of, of various elements, um, which is one of the reasons why it's easy for them to provide like a material and a Cupertino, you know, design language and, and have that applied. So they don't need to introduce new button controls or new, you know, text block controls, et cetera. Um, so they're the same controls. They've just been styled according to the, the, um, the theme or the design language that you want to use. So if you need to uh, develop a new application, what you would use Uno rather than uh, Maui? Or? Um. I would because I know that um, for most of the applications I'm working on, I want to make sure that I've got a, a web offering as well. Um, and that's something that the Mary team are, are not going to provide or at least have no, provide no indication that they will. Um, and uh, and their alternative to, to, to that is, is using Blazor um, and targeting the other platforms. Um, and so I, I feel that the the Uno platform is is probably my preferred one, um, but equally well, I know that there are other people that prefer the the Maui approach. Um, I think that there's you know there's definitely places in the market for everyone. Um, so, um, but if you if you do want an application that's going to look identical on every platform, uh, without you having to put in extra legwork to make it happen, um, Uno platform is definitely the way to go. Um, so. Okay. Hey, Simon. Hey, hey. Uh, I, I was just wondering, do you get the, the choice of the three different um, uh, rendering styles when you're targeting WinUI? Um, you mean in terms of the material, Cupertino and Fluent? Yeah. Yeah, you, you do. So if you bring in the, like I showed in the the second demo, if you that that already has a reference to the to the material um, package as such, so Uno dot material, um, and as part of incorporating that, you start to get you get buttons and and things that look like they're belonging material. So yeah, it definitely it, out of the box. If you yeah. don't apply those, you'll get a fluent looking application, the same as you do on iOS and Android using Uno. Um, if you don't bring in those other packages, you'll end up with an app that you looks that. That uses the fluent design language, um, but if you bring in Material or you bring in Cupertino, your application on all of those platforms will look like they're styled for Android and iOS specifically. Yeah. So. Does it do that by uh, rendering all of those things from scratch? No. Uh, no. no. So, so the the underlying rendering is is the exact same on each. Of, well, sorry. Let me just take a back step. So, so yes, the. Um, the way Uno works is it uses the native underlying control. So there is a essentially a button control there that has been restyled according to the, the platform. Um, okay. And then once the, so that's the Uno level. And then on top of that, you then have the ability to style using Material or Cupertino. And so, so those aren't really a rendering, they're more just a, a, a change in style. So, you know, rounded corners um, for Material, et cetera, um, are, are all things that are being applied at the style level, not actually at the low level rendering side of things, so. Okay, so it applies all of those styles onto the native controls. Yeah, correct, yeah. Brian, you have another question? I do, yes. Um, so you showed the development experience for Windows. 
Uh, how will the tie into things like the Android emulator and the dreaded trying to get it to run and debug on iOS? <laughs> oh dear, yes. That um, well, it piggybacks on the same um, technology that Microsoft uses for Maui and Xamarin forms and building, you know, any any Xamarin application. Because eventually, I mean, the the Uno platform is is piggybacking on the work that Microsoft has done. So in terms of, you know, if you're building an iOS app using the Uno platform, you're you're either building a Xamarin iOS app um, if you're pre-Net6 or you're now using a Net6 iOS app. Um, so that part comes from Microsoft. So the debugging experience on those platforms, including pairing to Mac and all of that, the associated technologies is is based on the work Microsoft's done. Um, now there are there is stuff that the Uno platform brings, so you know, hot reload and sample reload and stuff like that. It's stuff that they have brought um, to those other platforms um, as part of their the the Uno offering. Um, but the underlying debugging capability for those platforms is is what Microsoft ships. Um, so we do run into the cha same challenges that that Maui and and you know other Xamarin developers run into. Um, and, I, and I was laughing because I spent the last two days trying to get my pairing to Mac to work um, because Xamarin so Xcode 14 is isn't supported yet. Um, so trying to connect and then get the um, simulators to work uh, or the remote simulator to work just has been a bit of a, a bun fight to say the least. Um, so the just for people who are interested, um, the workaround is to basically make sure that you have both Xcode 13 and 14 installed in parallel, um, and and that will fix your ability to to actually run uh, or, or sorry pair and then run your applications. Um, the other challenge that you may run into, um, and particularly if you run a bunch of the previews for Maui um, and Uno um, for for Net6, is that you may need to go in and, and remove some of the the workloads that have been installed. Um, and so there's a there's a essentially a, a folder or two that's that's very specific to pairing from from. Uh, Windows to Mac um, that you need to remove. Um, so if you kind of run into those, then feel free to reach out to me because I just went through all of the, the last two days of pain to get that stuff to work. So <laughs> yeah, I was experimenting with Maui and trying to get the whole any iOS thing or the whole pairing to Mac. It was fiddly, and I never actually quite got there. Right. So so the the, the two things I would suggest is that there's a um, a couple of folders that you need to um, that would, if you delete, will help help it regenerate and and set everything up correctly. Um, but then, if you are able to pay it pair and you're not seeing the the, the list of simulators um, in Visual Studio, um, then that's often associated with having the wrong version of Xcode installed. Um, so you just need to add, um, download the from the Apple site the old version of Xcode. So it, I think the latest is 13.4. Um, grab that one. Um, and when you run it, if you go to preferences um, locations, you can actually tell it that you want the um, for the command line, you want the Xcode 13 to be the preferred um, version of Xcode. Uh, I wanted to ask about the packet size. So, like when we deploy the apps for Android and iOS, uh, will it be fairly large, like Jamrin app, or is it going to be uh, smaller compared to those ones? Um, so it is definitely going to be larger than your native application. So if you use Xcode to build an Objective C or Swift application, it's, it is going to be larger than those. Um, and so that that is one of the trade-offs using these cross-platform technologies. Um, you shouldn't really see, 
And the, the team's done a lot of work to make sure that they perform well. So in terms of they should perform well, in terms of they are a native-based application. So, you know, transitions, startup time, those sorts of things should still be relatively good. Um, and, you know, in the next six time frame, we are benefiting from all the work that Microsoft's doing around performance for .NET MAUI um, in terms of, you know, the compiler technology and the, the, you know, the launch speed and stuff like that for .NET 6. Um, the Uno platform benefits from all of those, those benefits, all those changes as well. All right, I think uh, we all have questions here. Thanks, anyone online. Well, th thanks, Nick. Um, appreciate you joining us this evening. That's no worries. I've, I've certainly uh, seen a few things new to, to me that I need to go and look up a bit more about, but um, it's great to have it there. And yeah, really great to see how far the Uno platform has progressed over the last few years as well. So. Yeah, well, um, hold your breath. They're about to do another drop. I think I think it's four point six is, is is literally due out in the next day or two. Um, that's got some some pretty neat things like um, uh, I don't know whether they're calling it XAML Islands or or not. Um, but basically the ability to to drop an Uno component or an Uno page into an existing you know. WinForms or WPF based application. So, um, and the idea there is that if you, rather than necessarily having to transition your entire application um, away from those technologies, you can basically build parts or new components of your app using the Uno platform. And then you could reuse the Uno bits for iOS, Android, web, et cetera. Um, so you can have this sort of, you know, parts of your application that's going to work for um, across all of the platforms um, and then extends the existing WinForms or WPF-based application. So that's that's some pretty powerful work. Uh, Microsoft kind of started this work back in, um, with UWP and, and having be able to insert UWP components into um, WinForms and WPF-based applications. Um, and they're in the process of doing the same with the WinApp SDK. So there's some work underfoot to to allow sort of content islands, which I think is what they're calling it, um, to essentially surface up WinUI uh, components and pages within an existing WinForms or WPF-based application. So. Wow, it uh, launches pretty soon. We might have to have you back again next month, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. Uh, well, All thanks, right. Nick. And uh, yeah, th thanks very much. And uh, yeah, well, appreciate uh, your time this evening. So, no yeah. problems. Um, look, feel free to reach out. Uh, my email's in the chat. Um, it's just nick at builtorome.com. Um, so, happy to take questions or provide some guidance if people are getting started with it. So.